0: Welcome to the World Wild podcast. I'm Miles Irving, and the theme of this week's podcast is truffles, um, although you could say the secondary theme or, or the uh, sort of underlying theme is the quest for buried treasure. Uh, so in this podcast, I've, I've um, it's sort of a document of, of a conversation and an expedition with Melissa Waddingham who came out to Kemp for the day to, to sort of help me sort of solve the puzzle of, of truffles. Although I think, as you'll see from the uh, conversation, uh, there's an ongoing broader quest of lots of people to solving various different puzzles around truffles. I think there's still quite a lot of mysteries to be solved um, around these life forms and how they how and where they live. So we chat around lots of issues around truffles and talk about Melissa's truffle journey, a little bit about mine, and, and then and then we're out there just looking for them. Um, with with some success, not quite the success I'd hoped, but I think I'm now better equipped to uh, to, to go out looking um, in my own right, and and um, yeah, so I feel, feel I've I've moved several steps forward. But then I guess um, it's always good to explore the the metaphor here, because um, again, this is this is this is uh, looking at the unseen and the underground, and I think the idea of like a sweet aroma that leads us into what's hidden. I kind of like that. It's it's kind of sweet, delicious, um, almost seductive. In fact, if you're a pig, it is seductive because the uh, the aroma of a truffle is, is actually the the pheromone of the the male pig. So when a female pig goes down there digging, uh, she's she's following that instinctive um, connection with with the uh, the the pheromone of the opposite sex. Um, so that's kind of uh, kind of interesting sort of interweaving of, of life forms there to use um a signal that, that that works in one way but within the species to actually work between species and actually aid the reproductive cycle of the truffle is pretty fascinating because they, they the pigs when they get down there they actually like the flavor of the truffle and then they're dispersing the spores throughout the forest and of course, it's 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 like uh, the revealing of, of what's of what's buried comes through these instinctual drives we have. At the same time, lost the the, the connections that would come out of that, the sort of the inter interlacing of our um, daily existence with the uh, with the ongoing life cycles of other things. Um, so, I guess what I'm trying to say there is when when we when we think about the the um, the unseen. You might think of some kind of mystical thing that it's some sort of esoteric, mystical thing, and some sort of strange spiritual practice, uh, and so on. What I love about the the, the foraging and the the uh, so just sort of tuning into basic um, accessing of of uh, what our senses are telling us about our surroundings, and and following that through to, to how it would have worked biologically in the past, not not just to. Uh, to spend leisure outdoors, even though that's a lovely thing to do, but that, that our whole senses would be um, actively seeking things out and noticing things so that we, we end up gathering what we need and, and just entering into the life cycles of other species as a result of that gathering. Uh, but all of that would be unlocking the, uh, the the secrets and mysteries of our surroundings and seeing so that when we look at a landscape, we would be seeing all of these interrelated um, or interrelatednesses, I'll I'll say, even no, though that's not really a word. Um, just by gazing at at a landscape, because we have spent so many times um, sort of digging beneath the surface, uh, both literally and metaphorically, because because we go beyond the appearance um, into into the uh, the different aspects of the life cycles of things. So, in other words, because because we interact with a plant, we. We know what's coming next. We know that it'll it'll sort of stand tall and have flowers and seeds later on, even though all we see is a tiny shoot now. Um, or on the other hand, at this time of year, we'll see the dead canes of whether it's nettles or maybe some umbrella food, but it's umbrella-shaped seed branches um, that stand out quite starkly against the winter landscape. We we'll know that beneath the ground there 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 are roots and and that there will be greenery coming up there. Um, so it's it's that ability to to look on the um, on the things that are not immediately available to our um, senses now, but because of our roots in the ground, as it were, that we're involved in the life cycles of things, that um, just just what we see on the surface actually reveals and opens up to us, um, um, based on our previous experience, the the uh, the sort of secrets and mysteries of of what extends out in time. You know what 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 goes, what what has come before, and what will come after um in terms of the life cycles of things and just the interrelatedness of stuff on the land um and uh you know speaking of stuff on the land it's um you know it is it is kind of the bleak midwinter now um it's kind of freezing but um or well, it has been this this week and uh yet the plants are still coming through where we are uh with quite a lot of lush greenery one nice little thing which always takes me by surprise uh, which which I could suggest to anyone that wants to, wants to go out looking for a new plant this week to, to, to make this your quest, is uh, lamb's lettuce. So wild lamb's lettuce is such a funny thing because it looks so delicate. It looks like the most sensitive of leaves and as if it wouldn't tolerate the frost at all. But we've had quite a lot of frost this week, um, and it always tickles me to see it growing because um, it, it must have some kind of um, antifreeze or something that protects it from being damaged by frost, so there's there's one to look for, um, and then the little basal rosettes of of shepherd's purse. Um, I keep coming across those this week. Um, now you may you may have the telltale signs of that in terms of some sort of out of season, but still uh, evident where I am. The uh, the upright stems of the shepherd's purse with the tiny little uh, they're like a sort of heart shape, only with slightly more straight lines down the edges. Um, heart-shaped purses uh, containing the seeds, which is what gives the shepherd's purse it na- its name. So, um, there's a couple of things to look out for: lamb's lettuce and shepherd's purse, and make some some uh, lovely um, winter salads. And 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 I should say, though I'm not going to list um, many many more now. Perhaps we'll run through some more over the next few weeks. But I should say that for for. for uh, for us here in um, in England, winter really is the time of salads. It, it's kind of topsy-turvy because you think of hot weather in the summer and salads, but there are far fewer uh, good salads out there um, in the summer and, and and in the winter. The things that are managing to that are hardy enough to to, to keep growing through the winter weather are, of which, as I say, there are many. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's a real um, scope for not just having salad every day, but, but, having, but having a variety. So anyway, yeah, we'll get on to the, um, the sort of stitched together many snippets of conversation with Melissa now. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy coming with us on our quest.
1: What started um, me on my journey? Mm. <laughs> I've always been a forager from birth, yeah. I think. I always come back with something for my parents or yeah. you know, something that captures my eye. So there's always been, you know, the, the big outdoors, there's always been, I was always a kid that was outside. I never liked to be inside. I was always had to be outside playing. So then of course you, you encounter all sorts of weird and wonderful things when, you, when you're a kid and you're curious. And I will always come back with something. I remember going off with my grandfather, picking chanterelles, um, which didn't really particularly stick in my mind, but I just always liked going out with something. Um, and then much later, and also I was a Londoner as a kid. So, you know, getting access to the countryside wasn't, wasn't an everyday thing. I used no. to go, you know, at half terms. My parents were adorable and they, and they definitely made the countryside a part of our, my life as a kid, mm. which I'm really grateful for because, you know, I loved it so much. Um, I suppose my mother being French, always being brought up on really good food, um, had a massive ah. influence in my life, massive. And one of my earliest memories was, I don't mind going wherever you're sending me, but mum, is the food going to be all right? And that's, I promise you, one of my earliest memories. So I'm, you know, I love food. I've always been really, you know, passionate about food, um, cooking it, trying new things, finding stuff that you can eat. And then many years later, when, I, when I'd left London, um, I was in the country. And a friend of mine, an Italian, walked through the door with a massive basket of porcini and they were beautiful, they were huge and just, you know, amazing to look at. And I hadn't ever really thought about mushrooms. I hadn't really ever thought about mushrooms, really, mushroom picking. And I was just totally blown away. I was like, my goodness, where did you get those? Like, do we have mushrooms? I didn't have a clue about the mushroom scene at all. Yeah. And I was like, wow, they're phenomenal. I, I want to go and do what you've just done. So after that, we went out every weekend for quite a few years, probably about five or six years, every weekend in season. And he was Italian. All he wanted was, you know, trumpets and seps and had a very, very narrow, narrow what he was looking for, yeah. you know. And as I kept doing it more and more, I suddenly start seeing all these other mushrooms, edible or not, and I was just like, oh, I just want to know more. I want to know more. And, Want to know how they fit in with, you know, our the bigger picture, and so I got a bit more obsessive than he was, and started learning more and more and more, and sort of just left him behind, really, and just carried on going with my mission and my hobby and my my passion. Then in, in Roger Phillips's book, right at the back, sometimes you don't see the back pages for a while, do you? In a book, suddenly noticed, like, oh my goodness, there's truffles at the back in the back pages of this book, and it said that they were on the Downs, and I was like, well, I'm living in the Downs. And I was like, wow, really? Is this true? Um, being very naive and thinking, like, a lot of people still to this day that truffles only come from, you know, France and Italy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought, OK, well... So I was fascinated by that, and I don't know, there was just this real... I don't know why I should necessarily be so fascinated about truffle in particular out of all the others or anything, but it just seemed to me like a mushroom hunter's like final challenge you know if you can find a truffle then you sort of ticked all the boxes as a mushroom hunter you well, just... that's the extra challenge it, isn't it they're not visible at least most of the you know? time they're not visible exactly yeah. so i was like wow okay well i'm going to go and see if what roger says in this book is true and
0: because so... all these others are treasure but this is buried treasure yeah right? yeah,
1: so... yeah definitely so it's like you know it's like the ultimate challenge isn't it how am i going to find these things i would read that people have been looking for truffle all their life without dogs and never found it so, I was really not very optimistic that I was going to find truffle. I really wasn't. I didn't have a dog. But I don't know, I was just hooked on this idea and I started studying truffle, you know, online and bought books and tried to inform myself as much as I could. Uh, I even went to a truffle conference sort of three years later to inform myself even more. Um, and but me.
0: That was, was that the sort of broad truffle? thing or was it edible truffle people actually hunting for edible truffle
1: it was a conference so it was mainly you know uh powerpoints and slides and i think there was a couple of days excursion where we went off into the hills and um did we go and look at tr- we didn't actually truffle hunt on that on that ex- excursion, but they showed us orchards from the coach. <laughs> like oh, there's an orchard over there. A but the focus orchard. was
0: on the edible ones, or, or broadly, oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Predo- predominantly on the edible ones and cultivation, mm. and you know, and all that. Um, mm. Predominantly on cultivation, actually, but it was a, it was an amazing place to go because there were all the top scientists. You know, in the world, uh, this conference from people from China, people from all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, where big new plantations were being set up because it was a new sort of. You know, it's not new; it's been around for a while, but people are catching on to it now as something so to invest their money them. in. Yeah, 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 definitely. And you know, it's in poor soils, and we've got so much poor soil that is not productive for very much. So you know, if we can make use of poor soils, and you know like grapes you know grape and truffle they like the same soil so mm. you know it's not a huge amount that you can get from chalky soil so it's a way of using land as well to, to reap a benefit from something that doesn't necessarily yield very much um, and as France and Italy you know I don't know what the percentage is but it's a high percentage of calcareous soil over there isn't it limestone and it's a big part of France so you know they found something uh, two things the grapes and the truffle to earn a revenue from that very poor sort and when I went to this conference I'm, you know I, like I said I met some amazing contacts that the following ten years were invaluable to me for one reason or another just either just to put me on the right track of the correct information true information none of this you know leading you up the hearsay garden either. path hearsay and you know people just trying to not want you to learn the right information um, who've become since close friends um, and it's just been a, a, real, a real long journey. The same sort of time as I started, I went and did my forestry degree. But it wasn't all intentional. It wasn't... I, I didn't have a plan in front of me where I was, OK, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. I just followed my heart. So, you know, cooking, I've always cooked. So that was a firm stable there as it was. Um, the forestry degree, I did a degree because... Uh, I left school with nothing I was a kid. Very dyslexic. I was just labelled as, a you know, eccentric or difficult child. <laughs> left with nothing. Um, my dad was Oxford. He was very academic. He was an art historian. He had huge expectations for me. He thought I was going to be a journalist or something, you know. Um, so as I got older, I sort of felt bad about that. I'd squandered my father's money in, in you know, private education and I hadn't really delivered any goods to him so he must have thought "Mm, you know she could have been good that one but you quite sort of missed the boat so I just didn't want him to think like that about me and also you know I never knew I I, I knew I wasn't stupid I just knew that I had some barrier you know so I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna go back to school and I'm gonna and I'm gonna pursue something that I really love and, mm. and hopefully pass the exam so I can actually go to dad at the age of 45. Dad, I've actually passed an exam. <laughs> so I went and did it. It was the best course I've ever done in my life. I loved it. I passed. Not necessarily with flying colours, but I passed, mm. you know. I refused any help for the for the dyslexia because I just wanted to have my raw capability Doing yeah it might yeah and without any help because I wouldn't have known my own capabilities you know if I'd had the help I just wanted to see my own capabilities without any help and so I did that and so I was like Dad, you know I've done it you know and I loved it and I've passed and I'm happy and I've got a degree so he was like oh my goodness I never thought I'd see that day um, but the information that I learned on that course was so complementary to the prior I Don't know seven or eight years that I've been studying fungi just as a hobby. Um, so that married up with that. At the same time, I decided that I needed a dog because I was clearly going on a journey that I needed a dog, so I went and got
0: Zeb. So let's just look at the pieces forming the places. So we've got the cooking, we've got the forestry, we've got the mushroom enthusiasm, we've got the
1: dog, and we've got the truffle friends. So, so it's all, yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, yeah. it's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> got a nice sort of round little piece to the puzzle you know it all fits yeah um because you know some of us have got interests that don't marry up at all you know and you want to try and make something from it and you're like "Mm, it doesn't it doesn't match up yeah but i was just very lucky you know i'm very hands-on that's why you know i was a painter and decorator before i was a forager um
0: the standard thing with an academic is that they're not very practical yeah um, and you're coming at it from being a very practical person, and then, and then getting the academic yeah. side, which, yeah. um, in a way, that's much more interesting. I, I've always thought, you yeah, know, maybe if if, yeah. if if you've got this practical know-how, and then you bring your intellect into the mix,
1: then you've got a nice mix of the two, mm-hmm. haven't you? Then you know, because it's 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 not very fulfilling thinking that you're just a, a hands-on person, although it should be, because actually. You know, before the world has has become what it is today, we were all hands on. Well, people. it's a false. It's a
0: false thing, isn't it? Because, yeah. Because, like the, the the amount of intelligence that went into that hunter gatherer way of life. It's alive. a
1: false negativity, and you're you're sort of led up to believe that if you're a hands on person or you're a layman, well, and you don't use your head, you sort of. Well, I don't know. I think you know. it's what 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 this term came up in
0: a previous conversation, but false. It's a false dichotomy because yeah. like. You know the the hands-on guy is, has has got a brain, and, and 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 the guy with the brain just hasn't. So it's like each one hasn't found their way into that other world. Yeah. Like, I'm a big yeah. fan of King Alfred, right? King Alfred um, uh, had this thing. He said, "Listen, they're both really important. One should work with 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 you know should work with your hands yeah. for half the day, and you should." Get your intellect working for half a yeah. day. So he would translate an <coughs> obscure Latin text for half a day, put that in the English language, because he felt that was a service to humanity, yeah. and then he'd go and build furniture. He's a yeah. king of England, yeah. you know, and yeah. he, he, uh, I think it's yeah. fantastic. It is amazing. We should, amazing. We should get amazing. back to that. That's what I'm talking about, yeah.
1: actually. And I feel wholer for that. both, yeah. You know, I feel yeah. more... Um, I just feel, yeah, more complete, you know. Um, well, because one informs the other. That's
0: what I'm trying to yeah. say. Like, if we, if we this false dichotomy, we say, well, yeah. let... Now we can get grounded by just getting out and working with our hands, and yep. and, and then we can let that feed into can, our thoughts, and then the, the thoughts, thoughts and can the feed into the practical.
1: Yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. So you know that that was that was huge for me, um, and I've ended up being really lucky in doing something that I really love, um, which I don't think has actually reached its full potential yet. I'm still working on that. Mm. You know, financially, it's seasonal yeah. work. You know, it depends on the season, some some seasons, you know, you don't either get the clients or you don't get the truffle or you, or you maybe don't get both or, you know, you need to. I mean, you I mean, you probably, probably been you doing know.
0: talks about this. I'm sure, I'm sure people would love to have you come and do yeah, that do with do slide some. presentations.
1: And, I do do that. Yeah. I do, yeah, already. I, I do do talks. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. It's, it's amazing under the canopy of, you know, truffle, subject of truffle. Yeah. Uh, there's an awful lot that keeps me busy, you know, from training people's dogs to taking people out and giving them the experience of truffle hunting um, and going home with stuff and providing them with some nice truffly bits to eat that you've prepared the night before. Yeah. And you let stuff infuse and then you can give it, in, you know, to taste for the first time or not or maybe show them different ways of tasting things and and then giving them the all the you know the academic parts of the, all the knowledge um, that you need to have to just go out there and be successful and um you know i, I some of the compliments i've had i mean my, my you must get this as well you know the work that is so fulfilling for others especially when you're looking for treasure you know yeah, yeah, yeah. since kids we've looked for treasure and we've always had this childlike yeah, you know oh, treasure 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 and you know and that and that replicates itself when you're looking for truffle and people get back into that childhood state when they were almost looking for treasure and it's not something you grow out of you know we all well, like treasure but i just think it is the foraging instinct you know yeah. it, whether it's hunting
0: or, or 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 finding plants and mushrooms you know we always yeah that's what we did all day. Okay. we went something on that it. quest yeah. you know and
1: then you find it and it's like you know it's uplifting it makes you in a good mood you're happy and you know the the the, the what people say to me afterwards, you know, the feedback is just incredible. Like I will never look at woods again in the, in the same way. Uh, Thank you. This will be something that I'll remember for all my life. Um, This was an incredible moment. Never thought, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And you're just like, you know, you feel all good, bumpy, and you know, it's just like, wow.
0: Yeah, how many people go to work benefits, and you know, come back
1: yeah. and feel so elated after yeah. a day's work? Yeah. Just because of the pleasure that, you know, those people have had from what you've I've made, given them.
0: You've made something better by, by what you just did like, today. Made, wow. Yeah. You
1: know, it's just amazing. I'm really lucky. And not only am I doing something that gives me a huge amount of fulfillment and joy, but actually, I pass that on to others, and yeah. you know, that feel good factor for me. I mean, I'm I'm being selfish now by saying, you know, that feel good factor that I get from the positivity that I give to other people and showing them things that they haven't done before. But you know, it does. It makes me feel great, and and that's just really lucky. It's really lucky. So I prefer to do that and not make a lot of money, and be doing something that I love doing. As long as I've got enough to survive, I don't want the earth, moon and sun. I just well, want enough to pay the bills, pay my fuel, pay my tobacco <laughs> and make people happy. That's all I need. Uh, I think
0: Bob Dylan said something like, I've looked all over, but it's so hard to find one rich man in ten with a satisfied mind. If we've got a satisfied mind, then... Um,
1: You're rich. I think... You're rich. You can be... <laughs> You've got an enriched soul yeah. and mind and yeah. body and spirit and, you know, that's what keeps you happy, it keeps you sane, it keeps you motivated and energised to keep going. Since woodland management practices have changed over the last sort of two or three hundred years, you know, that's that's why truffle has sort of not been perhaps as prevalent as it used to be. Because, you know, when they used to coppice more and they used to look after the woods, that helped truffle. You know, they opened up the woods, they allowed dappled light in. Um, Truffle likes dappled light. Well, it used to when, when you know, it was colder over here. So it relied on the soil to be a bit warmer. So when they opened up the woodland, the sunlight would come in and it would just create these nice little, you know, environments for truffle. England now, because of climate change, um, is being predicted as being the next hot spot for, for truffle. This is why plantations are coming up all over England. Are you
0: saying that the, the white and the black may be here? The what? The white and the... Not white. the
1: white. The white will never be here. Because, because? Because it only grows on a certain longitude and latitude. Um, it depends on calcareous fluvial soils.
0: What's one of those
1: when it's at C-calcarous home? Calcareous is um, high
0: pH, so... Yeah, 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 no, I'll get that bit, but the other bit...
1: Fluvial. <laughs> fluvial is soils that are close to rivers. Fluvial. Fluvial, yeah. Um, I think I'm pronouncing Not it. Not alluvial, it but no, fluvial. Flu, flu, yeah, Fluvial.
0: Because I, I, I talked to a guy from, um, a local ge- geology guy, um, and there was a particular soil um, at the other place I found Truffles, which is not far from here. And we got that, it was alluvial something or other. Like green sound. Dunno. Maybe I've remembered it wrong, but anyway, it was it was it was on the chalk, but it had this particular kind of soil. So like I was that. making Peter. this thing yeah. of like, okay, chalk and this kind of soil, and he was trying to help me find where that kind of soil was. But that might have been a red herring. It's just—it that it was definitely that kind of soil and chalk. Yeah. You
1: know, when I first started out looking and in, 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 you know informing myself about truffle, it was incredible the amount of red headed her- red herrings that people would throw up at you yeah. to try to get you off the right track. And you know, and you had to sift through the shift, and it was only through learning and learning and reading and reading that you suddenly realised what was what, you know. And it was it was just like oh, this is unbelievable, you know. Why, why are people so cagey and so, you know, not trusting and just want to take you up a garden path? And just, it was mad. But you know, determination gets you there, and you get the right information in the end. You go to the right places for it. Um, or, you, uh, or you, or you. Or
0: you invite Melissa to come to the right place.
1: Yeah. Well, now, you this know... This is the I mean, like, other I mean, I've given up. Like, I gave up. I thought, I
0: need, I need help. And, uh, and I'm going to help, so I'll give up on travels from now.
1: But we all break the mould in the way that we share our knowledge. Yeah. Because normally, you know, it's like a, a loner's game. No one says anything about anywhere. Make sure you're not being followed. And that's just mushrooms. That's just those.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, we really break the mould when we take people to all our places
0: that we've... Well, this is just pointed scourge. to the pickled rouse that I'm putting in our sandwich for those okay. who listen to this recording, if it makes it through the edit. <laughs> there we go. Actually, mustard. Inter- Do you like mustard? Yep. That like mustard? Yep. So that's why we got our truffle dog, because our, our, our friend's brother bought this place in Italy. Um, it's called The Hill That Breathes. Uh, they well, they called it, but anyway, there was white truffle on it, and it was like, oh yeah, you know, you can bring your dog over and blah blah blah. But it turned out it wasn't you can bring your dog over because he may have bought the land, but there's no way he inherited the the uh, the, the truffle, truffle rights, rights. There it was. There was an absolute. You know, he tried to stop these people. I say it like I'm on his side. I'm not on their side. <laughs> these people, anyway. Um, <laughs> But they're the traditional rights to these white truffles, yeah. you know, and, and he's, he's trying to stop them coming on, and they're going, oh, you
1: know, it's three to Who to the Latin hell are you? Know. You've you
0: just come from happen. England and you brought this no. down, you think you've yeah. got the right to stop us picking these truffles. Yeah. So I think he had to, uh, if I've got the story right, he had to just accept these people are going to come on and yeah. uh, get these truffles. Cause... There
1: were two different names, Latin names, that were given to the summer truffle and the autumn truffle. Yeah. So the summer truffle was always known as Tuba estivum, right. And the autumn truffle or the burgundy truffle <laughs> would be known as Tuba uncinatum. I actually went to a conference oh, quite some time ago now about eight years ago where you know it was even before they'd sort of tested the DNA and they were still discussing about the potential whether people thought it was or not. It's a very special meeting full of scientists. And I'd only been truffle hunting for two years and I felt very out of place. And, you know, I was there to learn and I don't know how I even got myself there, but somehow I did. And at the very end, they sort of turned around to me and said, so, Melissa, as a truffle hunter, from a truffle hunting perspective, what do you think? And I said, well, I think, I said, don't, you know, like, hold me to it. But I think it's the same species from what I can tell. But I've only been hunting for a couple of years, so please don't take my word for it. Um, and then, of course, about a year later, with DNA and molecular science, they all found out, of course, it's the same species.
0: So, yeah, yeah. We're back to the same point. It's the practitioners who actually know things. Yeah, of Imagine, you know, if I was studying my wife for academic purposes.
1: <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. but when it's for pleasure, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't well, it? Pleasure, practicality,
0: <laughs> ongoing...
1: Or something that you're interested in and you know, you know obsessive about, then it's all becomes very easy.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's just obvious. Knowledge is participation, and I guess a scientist participates on a certain level. But like these scientists that study ecology this and that, they are along on one of their field trip. Well, we don't. We, well, Fred more than me these days, but like, our life is the field trip. <laughs> but back and back and back and back. We engaged with these plants. They're part of you know. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, even how many years have I been doing this now? Zeddy's 13. I've been doing this like 14 years or maybe 15 before I got the dog, just starting to study it, you know, just on an academic level, just online and books. And and, um, even today, you know, I can go out and I'll learn something new about truffle hunting. Something, you know, even if it's just something about harvesting. Um, what did I, what did I clock this year? Speaking of which Ella, when she's digging, when she's really close to the truffle, I can hear her paws, the claws, suddenly just, it's like a musical instrument grating the waltz. It's a completely different noise oh, to, the, to the soil. And if, I, if I'm quick enough to hear that, I'm like, OK, she's on the waltz, and I'll pull her off. And if you're and not, then, she'll scratch them well, She'll scratch them or bite it or eat them I mean, you know all my dogs like to eat truffle so. God, the other day I was really not having a good day I was just aching, my knee was bad And I had one guy, I took him out And it was just a dog fest for truffle The, the, the dogs just ate so much truffle I mean, we found as well but I just couldn't get to them on time. It was just, you know, my knee was hurting. And normally I'm chucking I myself. Didn't all the dogs ate
0: them. I, really yep. I was just telling my little boy this morning why don't yep. why, why nobody uses pigs anymore. So <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs>
1: that's a fallacy. Yeah. And it's also a fallacy that, you know, it's sustainable to use dogs because they don't Im- they don't harvest immature truffles. That's one of the reasons they say it's sustainable. That's crap as well. You know, my dogs immature. They pick up immature truffles all the time. I mean, their noses are that good, they can smell, you know, an immature or mature drug. What makes using a dog sustainable is that they point to exactly where it is. So you don't have to, use, you know, don't have to do any random digging. Hmm. That's the only thing that makes it sustainable. I'm a video exactly of some guy using a pig. <laughs> it was, it was like, I think it's some French guy. Yeah. And he's just got this massive pig. And then as soon as the pig goes, it just cracks, it, oh, like, great. really brutal, just like, get off the truffles. Yeah, because like they cool. want to eat them, because they mimic the pheromones of, you know, the female pig, or the male pig, can't remember no, which one. right. They get a bit <laughs> excited. And... They like to eat them as well, you know, they're, they're purposefully smelly to be found by animals, that's how they reproduce, you... that's how they get distributed. Can you smell them if you're, if you're in the woods without um, dog? Not really, sometimes maybe you might capture a little... Odour or something I And mean, I've got an incredibly good nose mm. Um So, you know I mean, sometimes But it's not like, you know You walk into truffle woodlands And then you get hit by the smell of truffle No, it's not like a stinkhorn or something No, like no, something. no, 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 nothing like that I mean, when you're digging for it You know, then you start smelling it And you smell the soil And You know, if you find today I'll be getting you guys to smell the soil um, Just to recognise the soil When it's fresh in the ground Because it's sweet It smells like beetroot almost Hmm. Truffle beetroot What animals are mainly going for in the world? A lot A lot of All the rodents You know From You know Any type of Sort of Mouse Rat Um To I would have thought Weasels and And you know All that type The badger go for it? Badger 100% go for it Okay Um Rabbit even eat truffle, which really surprised me. And I only worked that out again not so long ago. I wouldn't have thought rabbits do eat truffle, but I saw evidence of uh, rabbit droppings, truffle, shards, um, and the way that rabbits sort of, you know, dig all in one little space. And I was like, my God, this is rabbit eating truffle, which was quite mad. I would have never thought rabbit would have eaten truffle, but maybe if they're on the surface, they might, because quite often they stick out of the ground. Um, I mean this year I saw something phenomenal that I've never seen before Um, We were hunting, got to this little area And there were about 30 truffles that were about slightly smaller than a tennis ball size That had been eaten from the inside by a slug And had just left a solid ball of walls So when I picked up this ball and you, you couldn't tell for, you, you know You could tell it had been eaten and It was as light as a feather And it just crumbled You know Like an eggshell It was it was mad And there were about 30 or 40 of these Huge truffles Just in the leaflet Like that That had just been eaten It's amazing I mean, you know I talk about visual clues and not, there, are, there aren't there often Many visual clues But you know You see something like that You're like Wow that's a really good Visual clue <laughs> It doesn't get better than that You know <laughs> and, and sometimes you, you know how Animals use Um Stumps Those feeding platforms You know To peel the chestnut Or You often see it Don't you When they've been eating Yeah And If I'm in a woodland I always look at all the stumps Because Often I see Little shards of truffle In amongst the moss On a stump Where an animal's Dug it out And it's wow. gone to a little high point Where it feels a little bit safer And it's just eating there On a stump You can just imagine it Looking around And the little shards Are falling on the stump He's eating the majority of it, and then he runs off, and he leaves these little visual clues. And so when I see that, I'm like, oh, okay, good, wearing you know, there's truffle in these woods. It's a visual clue. And often they dig it. They might get frightened by a dog or something, or a dog walker, or anything. You see a digging, and there'll be half a truffle in there, half eaten. You just see the, the gleba, the inside, just grinning through this little digging. You might see that today. And you can hunt without a dog by just tracking other animals that have hunted truffle. Because really? often, if I, didn't, if I didn't have a dog, I'd go to the woods and I would sniff all these little holes that other animals have made looking for truffle. And quite often they smell of truffle. And it's either because they've just harvested the truffle and it's gone. Or it can still be there. So if I smell truffle in one of these holes, I'll start looking. And if I, if I disturb the soil and the smell goes, it means that the truffle's gone. Yeah. If I keep looking and I go a bit deeper and the, sm- and the smell's still there, and actually it's getting stronger as I'm disturbing as well, it means the truffle's still there. So you can use the woodland creatures as your own little truffle hunters. We're wasting our time
0: looking around a neighbour's garden, what do you think? Do you think we should just head for the woods or...?
1: The chances are going to be a hundred times greater than just having look. Why don't we go to the woods first? Yeah, and then and then if you want to on the way back just have a little ample up by where those beech trees are where you, you know where you said the pines are, um you know we can get the dogs to sniff around that beech tree. Um, in terms of things to dig them up with, well the dogs generally do it. I've got I saw okay. you had I've got a little, a and a little rakey that, thing. That's all we need. Not a big fork.
0: Quite often. <laughs> no, no. I've got a story about that.
1: Okay.
0: Well, the guy that first showed me a place for truffles, he got. Beech yeah. trees at the end of his garden He had a water problem Which meant he had to dig a big channel Two metres deep A metre wide and he found these funny normally things What the hell are they? It just happened to be something on the telly Someone talking about truffles So he, well that's what they are So he started to sell them to local restaurants And I, I persuaded him to let me come to his garden And look So I promise I won't come and feed from your garden Yeah. I just want to see Together Together <laughs> <laughs> he could do. I mean, he might have much moved much by energy. now. He might have moved by now. It's just a new neighbour. New...
1: He would won't know anything unless he's passed on the info.
0: Exactly. But anyway, he he he, he let me come. But he, he he um because he found the truffles right down to so as deep as a meter. Yeah. yeah and um, he then um, made a habit of digging that area at the bottom of his garden over like it was a potato patch every year. And getting a great big mountain of truffles, and
1: every year there's a great big mountain of truffles. So, I think. I do know that in in the plantations that they do scarify the land, um, which means just to keep it sort of a bit more free draining. And uh, I know that they turn it over by about, you know, maybe an inch, but they don't go deeper than that. You know is... what? This is where research is yeah. needed for more knowledge. What
0: do we think is going on when, when a. When a pig digs down to find truffles, what you know?
1: As we can see, you know, they leave a lot of uh, a lot of destruction behind, a lot of um, you know, a lot of disturbance. Um, and in that disturbance, I say destruction because I suppose you know the roots and the mycelium are obviously going to get torn away from the um, from the main organism, um, and those bits die, you know, um, as far as we know. So. There's plus sides to that, that that when, you know, fine roots are broken, that it makes available more new growth for new finer roots, which is where the mycelium attaches to. So, yeah. you're, you're making more root tips available to mycelium in the long run, um, which is good for truffle. So, it's a bit of this and a bit of that, you know. Um, I would also think that, you know, when the pigs are digging around and looking for truffle, they're making those 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 tips broken where new growth is gonna then uh, uh, go on to grow um and you know when they when they when they do their feces they're leaving perhaps spores from other organisms truffle organisms in those areas where broken uh, roots are and spores of other truffles are where those spores then will go on to meet and and then create new mycelium so you know uh it's sort of needed as well it's good and bad
0: I'm struggling to see the bad you know in that in that scenario you know it, other than other than our perception of it you know because I think I think we've we've gone so far with the um the conservation approach now which which I mean it needed to happen where you know human activities had begun to cross over into this kind of industrial paradigm and everything we do is, is basically just shock and awe. You know, we come in and just strip the land of everything that's there and impose, whether it's a building or, you know, a field of wheat. But, you know, the, the point is that what was there uh, in all its intricacy and complexity and diversity is gone on you know so so you know you can see why there needed to be this conservation thing that said hey we need to stop that you know yeah yeah.
1: loss of habitat is just is one of the main issues isn't it um yeah i mean i i I do agree you know if you if you just leave woods to self-manage and look at these wonderful things that are now going on with um these sort of restoration projects like um nep castle you know where it's all left to just do its own thing it will be really interesting to see the results for all organisms um after a few years time to see the difference um
0: well i just wonder if it's not possible to go a bit further than that because you know the the, the point is that, that that pig doing what it does is is you know it's shocking to us because we've come to see like any disturbance and, and the idea of conservation being you know just to let things carry on as they are but the thing is the way things are is is actually a constant flux it's a constant change you know there's there's engagement and interaction of different species which which might look you know you see elephants going through it looks very destructive but they're but they're a key part of the ecosystem and there's even some thoughts again that 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 elephants may have been what what's got got the uh, the coppicing response out of trees first of all which is which has become you know incredibly beneficial so I think, you know, we've got this sort of knee-jerk reaction to seeing change, basically. We, we, we call it disturbance or, or destruction, but it's, it's, it's really, it's just change. But like, yep. if we dig a bit deeper, as, as you're doing, just explaining to me there the, uh, what what actually happens, that, that, that these little roots breaking off means more calm and, and then the feces coming out of the other end of the pig in that place, you know, it, it, it does look like a sort of handing glove perfect yeah,
1: it's a symbiosis almost
0: of, exactly
1: yeah, yeah i i mean i i definitely agree um and, and another example of 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 this with not including the pig but uh, the pig would probably do it in the wild um is that i know that in a, in a lot of beach woodlands uh beach isn't regenerating very well i mean you know it's not a pioneer species which obviously goes against it a bit in that sense but you know it should regenerate and in these Woodlands that you know have very little disturbance. Um, you know the beech trees are just not. They're not. Oh. There's no age diversity because they're just not doing it. Um, and I know now that there are trials of. This isn't for the truffle. This is just for the regeneration of beech trees. Uh, mm. They're scarifying the, the the top layer in in certain coops and are getting better results. Of the trees, you know, Mm, then taking hold. There's something for the roots to grip onto, and, um, you know, they get embedded in in the soil better, perhaps. Um, So, this is interesting as well, you know. So, just for the continuation of trees, let alone the the fungal associations, um, disturbance of soil is clearly showing. You know, for beech trees, a better sign, and I'm sure that would probably uh, probably apply to most trees. So it's interesting, yeah.
0: So a pig might have done that in the past, yeah.
1: Um, exactly.
0: As well, especially under beech, because the, the the truffles would have been there. So.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: I mean, I suppose what I was going to say with regard to the the rewilding thing is is I'm just really interested in in what it's like when when we find our sort of pig like perfect fit with um ecosystems because you know difference between us and a pig is we could sit and really uh, reflect and think about it and and sort of deliberately sort of redesign you know the the sort of yeah. between us and our surroundings you know we can try this try that think about this think about that and and have lots of conversations with each other about um what worked and what didn't i mean like yeah. for example for example the stuff the stuff that um um I think I think we did mention it, but, but we didn't um, record the chat maybe. But, um, you know, the stuff that everyone's doing now with their rotten mushrooms and their mushroom pairings to let that rot uh, and and then and then pour it underneath trees.
1: That's
0: yeah. Culture, isn't it? Like, I don't know who started doing that first, but we're all we're all talking about it and starting to do it now, aren't we? And
1: well, um, we all want to give back, don't we, as best we can within the knowledge that we have. Um because you know i know that i feel i I want to give something back because i'm i'm very grateful for what you know um i receive uh so if there's any ways of trying to spread the the the, the truffle love and the awareness and Mm. help woodlands that perhaps haven't got them that you know would benefit from having them there um why not you know um it's just I'd like to be given the opportunity to do more research like this. Um, it's hard to find landowners that are even willing for you to do some of these what they consider strange things. They don't understand even some people, you know, but we've got to start somewhere, haven't we? And I just do see it like when people
0: say, oh, let's let's get the beavers back and let's get the wolves back. You know, I just think let's get the humans back. And, and, yeah. and that landowner saying yes to you so that you can go and do that interesting stuff in his wood that is basically saying oh okay we're going to rewild the woods we're going to let melissa in you know uh seriously i I just and i think i think as 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 the species with the amount of flexibility that we've got that's why it's so important, because you know a pig will only do the the, the 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 basic repertoire of pig ecology, and and I'm not saying that that's not flexible, because that's the beauty of evolution. You know, animals animals do form new behaviours, and suddenly there's a new kind of ecological niche. But I think the potential that we've got with human culture, um, and and, and the, our ability to to sort of reflect and communicate, you know, that that's the kind of rewilding I I, I, I want to uh, explore you know, and see. I mean, it's happening. Not that it's not yeah, happening. Definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's definitely needed. And it's it's because of people like ourselves that, you know, really work closely with nature that make really close observations as well that perhaps, you know, just people walking their dog are not going to notice. Um, we find things that are unusual and, and contribute to valuable records. Um, yeah. It's not just about harvesting truffle to eat actually <laughs> it's gone a lot deeper than that um mm. you know it's uh, it's about being aware and i mean four or five years ago zebedee and i found a truffle that was considered extinct and at the same time a, a, another lady found one in another part of the world um in, in europe i can't remember where it was now i think um denmark or somewhere but it, it must have been a good year for them also people are looking for stuff again more now than they were over the last couple of hundred years ago. There were lots of pioneer explorers in the botanical and fungal world, sort of in the 1800s, that were doing a lot more, just out there looking more, I think. Um, Now, fortunately, that that trend is coming back, and hence we're getting now more records of things. But there was a gap, Um, and she found one of these truffles as well, which, you know, when I was looking it up and I looked in um, Pegler's book of subterranean fungi in the uk you know and i kept coming back to this species and i was like well i can't be getting this right i've obviously not i'm not ideing it correctly um and then after sending it to people that are much 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 more experienced than i am it kept coming back the same so i was like oh well okay so you know that was a huge find a huge find now not considered extinct um a first uh, for sussex something that hadn't been recorded in the UK for a couple hundred years. <laughs> you know, Gosh. it's 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 important. It's important and it's important to be precious and, and intellectual about what you find. Don't just discard something you don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, take the time to put it on one side and if you haven't got a microscope yourself, send it to someone that does and, um, you know, do your bit. Oh, it's So
0: good. And, and you know, the thing that makes me think with you saying about all the all the all the people that are on the case now, all the sort of inquisitive and, and slightly more well-informed pairs of eyes scouring the landscape and, and just, you know, pottering around and, and, and discovering these things. Um, it, a- it does actually give a bit of a twist to me. Like, I, I know I know there's a there's a very strong sense that the number of people on the planet is putting huge pressure um, on ecosystems and, and, and so on. And, and I know, you know, if we were starting from scratch, we'd probably think, well, if we could keep the population down. Uh, I just have a bit of a problem with, with, with looking at it now and, and in a sense, if we're not careful, sort of willing lots of people not to exist. What I was gonna say about that is, is here's, here's a positive way of looking at more people being here. What if we all did become ecologically minded And then suddenly, you know, instead of just being there, the odd couple of pairs of eyes and and then a few more and a few more, that we were all thinking like this. I know what
1: you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we were all more engaged and had more, you know, the sensitivity to what was going on out there and an awareness and tried to steer things, you know, in a much better managed systems, um, then yeah i'm sure there could still be hope miles i really do um it's a terrible state of affairs at the moment this world and something needs to be done and rewilding human beings i think is definitely one of the ways forward um we do what we do um you know isn't it it's it's one of the big reasons we do what we do well
0: because it has larger ramifications and it's hard to think that when you're just digging a little hole in the ground to, to unearth a truffle or you're you're, you're cooking an omelette with some wild garlic and it, it it just seems like you're just, again, you're just pottering around. It seems such a small, quaint, charming, but insignificant thing to be doing. But actually, I just don't believe it is. I think we're there working away with the little sparks that could reignite the, the, the fire of, you know.
1: Absolutely. And that's the beauty of teaching, isn't it? Because yeah. you can then pass on those sentiments to others who are willing and who are fed up and want change and you know it it, it does become slightly political huh i think it's profoundly political
0: because i just i just said there we were we were accidentally talking across each other but like um you know i I do think it's it's the when you look at what rewilding is i think it is the only solution because because what we've what we've got is is just we've either got control or wildness you know the, the the german root of the word wild apparently uh, relates to will you know that something has the will within itself mm-hmm. and any, the only the only alternative to that is that someone else's will is being imposed you know on it you know and and, and i suppose once you've once you've decided which maybe not everybody has but once you've decided that the that the fundamental uh core of things there's a good will you know there's a good willingness that comes out of um of any living thing you know it's not it's yeah. not fundamentally flawed and distorted and, and wicked and wrong you know, it's, it's, it's this coercion and control being imposed on people um, so that we all get twisted out of shape. That's the thing that's sort of wicked and wrong and, and, and where we all end up, you know, beating each other up or robbing each other or not listening to each other or whatever the thing is, you know. But yeah. if, if it all goes back to the wild, as in, you know, we tap into the essential nature of ourselves that, that is kind of free-flowing and, and and, in a sense, autonomous, but basically geared towards... This integration and interaction with everything else—that's what wildness is. It's 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 free flowing. essential, you know, integratedness. You know, and and, and as soon as we step out of that, we, we get into this sort of working against sabotage, spanner in the works type thing. You know, so anyway, that's 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 uh, that's why I think you know we we could just say you know rewild. That's that's all we need to do, kind of thing. It's not just one of the things. It's do you see what yeah. I mean?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's just I was just thinking about the meaning of the word. It's just it's almost the opposite in a way, isn't it? Um, <laughs> coming together. Um, it's almost what is the opposite of what people think wild is, because you tend to think wild is sort of out on your own, um, being more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah. it's it's not. It's coming together. It's it's functioning smoothly, flowingly, but coming together. I suppose.
0: Yeah, when someone says "too wild," you know, is is too wild. <laughs> that that's what they're talking about. That this thing is going to disrupt everything. Yeah. yeah. But but it is going to disrupt everything. It's going to disrupt this system of control. You know. I suppose I suppose the other thing is like people's people's perception of anarchy. You know. I mean, I remember from being a teenager where you kind of did sort of lean towards anarchy in in a in, a, in a perhaps quite a destructive way as a teenager. Especially as you know, with the, the punk scene, and that, it did seem yeah, a bit, of a bit kind of in your face to destroy things. But 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 when you think about it, it was just trying to destroy a system of control. But I always remember when, when everybody's knee-jerk reaction to when you say anarchy, they, they are thinking about something that is just totally negative. You know, yeah, it's like, oh, these people, yeah, these people just want to just act out of their baser instincts and and not have everyone anyone tell them what to do. But actually, yeah. when you when you when you stop and look at the the uh, amazing kind of thoughts that have been the writings and practices that have come out of anarchist thinking and, and anarchist movements, you know, they're all really well—not all. There are some angry ones, you know, <laughs> and so on. But 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 most of it is really kind of soft and gentle, actually, and and really hopeful about the fact that people left at their own devices will will do good things and not and not um not be kind of savage and brutal so.
1: yeah i think it you know at the end of the day at the end of the day it's just it's just people that have of of have, have had enough really yeah. you know uh that's it's just another form of that you found a
0: half kilo
1: yeah. um, oh look <laughs> oh wow yeah loads of them look a massive ring. typical uh... we've got no bloody basket or crate I've got a hat. i put putting them in my hat. Yeah. This
0: is a clean
1: hat. they I have really liked it this year,
0: the old hedgehogs, haven't they? Yeah, a, that was our bonus fungus. <laughs> I just put the truffles in a in a sealed container with eggs.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: then i then I have a fried egg. After I've done that for t- two or three days and I shave a bit of truffle over it, but the bizarre thing for me is the fact that the egg tastes more of truffle than truffle does. That's what
1: I'm saying, so it's the infusion. So
0: there's something about the substance of that egg which is actually able to carry that flavour to yeah. your taste buds more than That's the... Now that, I don't really understand that, but... Fats.
1: it's the fats in the egg yeah. that are sticking, the compounds are sticking to those fats.
0: And somehow they mean that your taste buds can get them, or your, or maybe it's not your taste buds, it's probably your nose, it's probably retronasal, your isn't it? Your taste
1: buds it? and your nose right. can taste those those compounds, but definitely. But not when
0: it's just in the truffle, I just...
1: It's weird, isn't, isn't it? it? It's totally weird.
0: Yeah. I'd want to. Know, I'd love you, to know you, the science behind that, but... You can taste
1: it in the truffle. But not but as much. It's about of the aroma. It's all about the The egg about that's the sat aroma. next to the
0: truffle tastes more of the...
1: It's, just, it's about the aroma. Yeah. They're really oh, yeah. powerful, those those compounds. Really, you know, powerful. Um, infu- thats why I said right from the beginning, infusion is the best thing. It's about the aroma. It's about those chemical volatile compounds. That's what truffles all about. That's what people are after. And it's about finding really clever ways of harnessing them. I mean, like for, on a sweet note, I'll make like a bread and butter pudding, um, and after it's cooked with a knife I'll just I'll separate it between the bread and I'll lift it and then I'll grate truffle inside while it's still warm close it all do it through about three different layers like that so you've got like layer yeah. truffle going through the bread and butter pudding and that will infuse even just with the heat of the you know it's not cooking it's just sort of you know warming Yep, yeah. yeah and that that brings out the flavour in the truffle as well go on Zebby in you get on. one two three hop can you do it Come up on, one, two, three. That. Have
0: on. We work with this seaweed that grows on the um, Ascophyllum nodosum, the, 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 the this small brown, sort of
1: hairy seaweed. Not the one they, they call the truffle seaweed, that one. Yeah. I've, I've I've tasted it, I've only been on one ever forage, uh, sea forage, <laughs> and I was lucky enough that it was. Um, it was there at that time, so that was quite interesting for me because you it's agree? called. Did you agree that it was not particularly? Nice. I didn't think it was that truffley. It? No, really? It's special, and I think that's probably why they call it, because it's just something that's a bit, you know, special. So they've called, they've given it the name, the truffle of the, you know, seaweeds or. I, I think know.
0: it's in the same ballpark as they say. I
1: think. Oh, I think it's... What there's there's comical compounds in there that replicate truffle. Well,
0: I think it's at least similar. Is it? Well, I, I, I've not seen an analysis, but when I smell it, I think yeah, that is. You can, can... you can
1: pick up something. Yeah. Can you?
0: I've got some back at the house. Okay, we'll smell well, it. Although like, it's sat in a jar for a little bit yeah. longer, but I think uh, I think you'll get the gist. Find it, find it,
1: find it, 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 I mean, that's a proper search if there wasn't ever a proper search, eh? Hey. No. Right. Come on, come on, Come on, come on, come on. Mm. More here. Ella, you're gonna to have to come this way. Ella, this way.
0: So that other one, where we where we found this one, she she just settled on that and
1: she just went zump. Yeah. Very different, isn't it? Yeah. then, when there's little shards on top of the leaf litter, you know, he will he'll have to try and find the smallest pieces. I've seen him turn over leaf by leaf with his nose, just to find the smell of it, it's so intricate, it's just amazing. So where's the truffle that you found? This
0: is right. Here. Oh, the one that we found today is there.
1: That's small.
0: We found it in uh, Larky Wood.
1: It smells, it smells nice. It smells like Nana's perfume, I think. Yeah? Yeah. They are using truffle aroma in perfumes these days, actually. <laughs> Come well, on, I
0: think you finished the treat. Come on, come on. Someone else looking for buried treasure. Look, there's a with a metal detector. There, there must be something about the subterranean hiddenness of things. Are, <laughs> yeah.
1: just nature's bounty, even if it is old treasure. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's World Wild podcast. And if you're based in the UK, you might want to just go on our website and look at some of the courses we've just put up. We've got a birch sap, tapping one coming up in the spring, uh, where we'll go out and teach you to um, to do all the, all the process around tapping the birch and also processing the sap afterwards. Um, also, we've got a wild fermentation course coming and one working with wild aromatics and spices, these are all uh, in January, February, and March. Um, and I think we do have um, a few spaces left on a, on, a, on a general foraging course in April. So go and check that out if you're, if you're UK-based. UK um, although um, I should also mention, if you're not in our neck of the woods in the UK, um, do look on the Association of Foragers website. And that is also of some use for folk elsewhere. It's, it's mostly... United Kingdom and Ireland, but uh, there are a few people dotted around, so it's, it's worth going on there wherever you are, just to see if if uh, you have someone near you um, that's running courses and that could uh, help you to uh, to learn your your local native edible plants. Okay, well that's it for this week's World Wild Podcast.